Hey, everybody. Um, today, I'm going to go a little bit off topic and uh, offer up a few thoughts on pretty much what everyone's been talking about for the last couple of weeks, and that's Russia and Ukraine. Um, today, I'm recording this on Saturday, the 5th of March, um, and some digital payment systems, most notably PayPal, are suspending operations in Russia. So what exactly does that mean? Well, in the case of PayPal, um, they're not accepting new users in Russia as of Wednesday, and they're only going to support withdrawals for a, quote, period of time, ensuring that account balances are dispersed in line with applicable laws and regulations. So first off, I just want to acknowledge that this war brought down to its most basic terms is just one giant war crime committed by a fucking psychopath, uh, end of. But based on what I'm seeing and reading, the majority of Russian citizens who understand what's happening are against the war, okay? And I'm sure you've heard about the disinformation and propaganda campaign that's been going on uh, to paint these actions as liberation. So there are some citizens who do believe that this action might be justified, but based on the protests that I've seen throughout Russia the and the petitions and whatnot, uh, the people who do support the action are a small minority. And I just saw... Uh, poll that this came from 2011, but this revealed that 49% of Ukrainians say that they have relatives in Russia. Nobody wants to convoy south in the Balkan winter cold to bomb their cousins. You know, this is completely fucked in a million ways. And I think the average Russian is a victim of this. Um, they're just not getting bombed, but, but they're economy is. And all that said, is it going to help Ukrainians to continue to fight an economic war against everyday innocent Russian citizens who don't support the war? Okay. Um, well, I don't know. And it's above my pay grade to speculate, but the ease in which the U.S., along with its NATO and non-NATO allies, have gone in and basically destroyed the Russian economy is very interesting to watch. And a little scary, too. Um, you've no doubt heard that Moscow exchanges halted equity trading. Um, it's been days now that the market's been closed. The, uh, the ruble's down over 30%. You've probably seen the lines at the ATMs as people are doing, a, you know, essentially a bank run uh, on the Russian, Russian banks. Um, and all this has me thinking about the delicate nature of all of our globally all of our electronic wealth. And um, while I, clearly I don't see anything like this happening in the U.S., well, we could see a collapse in the dollar at some point moving forward. That's easily imaginable. We could have another GFC, and if things went different than in 2008, 2009, well, we could have a run on banks here. And you know that there aren't enough reserves to come close to covering deposits. So that could be catastrophic and frightening. Um, and you know that we're in a stock bubble right now. The year's off to a terrible start. And your portfolio could seriously drop 40% this summer if this bubble bursts, maybe more. And remember AIG, okay, now that was an insurance company, right? Well, what if down the line, some of the bigger insurance companies go belly up, but don't get bailed out like AIG did? You know, there's millions of us who, not including me, who've bought into quote unquote guaranteed income through annuities. And these annuities are guaranteed by insurance companies. And who says that these insurance companies are too big to fail? Um, how would you like it if you put a million bucks in to an annuity to get a $35,000 annual guaranteed income and then the insurance company goes belly up? Again, unlikely. 
I'm not saying this is going to happen, but this is the kind of financial doomsday stuff that I start thinking about when shit starts hitting the fan like it is right now. And And I know I'm starting to sound like a broken record here, but really the only asset that cannot be censored, frozen or confiscated is Bitcoin at least when you hold your own keys, not when it's on an exchange. So that said, as the world is burning, I'm moving more of my Bitcoin into cold storage in the form of my Trezor wallet. Um, I tried one of the Ledger wallets. I could not get it to work on any of my Macs. Um, the, the, whether it's the security settings or whatever, I mean, I, I sat here for hours trying to deal with uh, the Ledger and I finally just sent it back to Amazon. Uh, maybe I'm not technically savvy enough, but the Trezor wallet was very easy. It, it, it's kind of when you look at it, it looks kind of cheap and it doesn't make me feel great about the security, but it is a cold storage wallet and it's the treasure wallet. Um, anyway, but at the same time, I'm also moving uh, more into my personal node and I'm going to be downloading a couple additional software wallets. I, I've mentioned that I use the Atomic wallet, but I'm going to get a couple more just to make sure that I don't have too much in any one spot just in case, you know, something goes sideways with one of the wallets or I lose my keys or whatever could go wrong. I just want to have it spread around. Um, And as I've mentioned, I have what I would consider a pretty healthy amount uh, inside a Roth 401k stored at BlockFi. And I got to tell you, that is starting to make me nervous. I I got to find a good crypto accountant who's also up on the solo 401ks to get some counsel on moving my coins into hardware wallets. And um, anyway, you know, speaking of that, I, I've talked about the Solo 401k before. And if you haven't listened to the deep dive that I did with uh, Jordan Shepard, that was on uh, episode 19. And the Solo 401k is seriously an awesome option that I firmly endorse. This is not advice, but if you're self-employed and you don't have other employees than a spouse, Solo 401k, especially the checkbook Solo 401k are completely awesome. Um, my, my real estate is all in there and it's just, it's a beautiful thing. But anyway, so here's the reason that I haven't taken my Roth Bitcoin off of BlockFi. So have you, I'm guessing that you probably haven't heard about the McNulty case, but, uh, real quickly late last year, the IRS ruled against a lady named Donna McNulty in a case that is, uh, well, this is this is the actual reason why I'm not moving my Bitcoin until I know it's 100%, 100% safe. So Ms. McNulty had a self-directed checkbook IRA, okay, similar to but different from the checkbook solo 401k I have, but both vehicles give you the ability to kind of purchase, sell, and manage your own assets without having to have an external plan administrator. Anyway, long story short, Ms. McNulty bought some gold coins through her IRA back in 2015. And then she brought the gold coins home. And uh, and, oh, by the way, it's fine to buy gold coins. You can buy some, not all, but they have to be like 0.999% pure or something like that. There's some specs on that. But you can buy gold coins in a self-directed IRA, but where... Uh, the IRS said McNulty screwed up was when she took physical possession of those coins and brought them home and stored them in a safe in her house. Okay, 
I'm not going to bore you with even more than I probably already am. But basically, the IRS argued that since she had access to the coins and could have sold them or traded them between 2015 and now outside of that IRA structure, um, she could have done that because she had them in her house. So at the end of the court case, the IRS ruled that by her taking them home, that was a distribution. So that being the case, and they ruled against her. So, so if that if her coins had increased in value, well, she it, it it's not the tax free increase that you get from the IRA because she they count it as a 2015 distribution. Anyway, so I don't want to take my Roth Bitcoin and move them into cold storage for fear that that too could be ruled as a distribution. So that said, God, that was a lot of information. Um. That said, if any of you out there know a good crypto accountant or lawyer who understands the mechanics of the solo 401k and the Roth solo 401k as it relates to crypto, please send me an email at matt at roguetirementlounge.com. Um, I'd love to talk to you about it. What I'd really love to do is get you on the show. But if you're not comfortable being on this show, I'd, I'd still love to hire you for a half hour, an hour and, and get some clarity on this, if there is clarity. OK, so back to Russia. OK, so I want to share something with you because I think that a lot of us, myself included, don't really understand the complexities and the downstream effects the sanctions are going to have on the Russian economy. But I found a very interesting thread of tweets by a Russian dude named Maxim Miranov. This guy's a professor of finance at IE Business School in Madrid, Spain. So hopefully for him, he's able to get paid for his work into a Spanish bank account so his savings won't get vaporized. Um, anyway, so I'm going to read you this thread of tweets, but they were uh, these were originally written in Russian. So they're translated by Google Translate. And I cannot vouch for the accuracy. And there are some cases where he must have been using some kind of colloquialism because the phrases that come out are a bit off. But you'll get the idea. Anyway, here goes. Many people ask me to comment on the sanctions. In short, my scientific conclusion as a professor of finance, doctor of the University of Chicago, is fucked. And double fucked up that the inhabitants of Russia, even the educated, for the most part, do not understand what awaits them. I explain on. Very soon the Russians will face a shortage of basic products. I'm not talking about all kinds of iPhones, the import of which has already been banned, but about food, clothes, cars, household appliances, etc. Russia is very integrated into world trade, and already the largest operators meaning freight forwarders and the like, refuse to send containers to Russia. But even if a miracle happens and Russia finds someone who is ready to send containers to Russia, the question is how to pay for it. Export earnings will decrease significantly as all buyers will try to abandon Russia. Russian goods. We will see that even non-sanctioned oil companies cannot find buyers for their gold. Gazprom, the main exporter of gas, is already un under sanctions. That is, it is generally unclear how it will receive foreign exchange earnings. The Russian central bank has accumulated a huge money box, $650 billion. Only more than half of these reserves have already been arrested. 
and what to do with gold is also not very clear. Few banks in the world will want to buy it from the Russian central bank so as not to fall under sanctions or huge fines themselves. Many people think that Russia over the past years built a bunch of factories. Only all these factories, automobile, aviation, household appliances, etc., actively use imported components. That is, in the coming months, we will face the shutdown of entire industries with all the ensuing consequences. A shortage of goods, mass unemployment, respectively, a fall in tax collection, and as a result, problems with the payment of salaries of state employees. Planes, even within Russia, will also soon stop flying. After all, almost all of them are imported, and the West has already been banned from supplying spare parts. Therefore, we will soon see a massive decommissioning of aircraft. The internet as we know it will also be shut down. They have already blocked a bunch of information sites. One of these days they are going to block Wikipedia. Twitter and Facebook are already slowing down, going to shut down YouTube. About agriculture, are you aware that in Russia, the share of imported seeds is almost 40%? As for potatoes, the share of imported seeds is 90%. That is, of course, farmers will come up with something over time, but at least in the short term, we should expect a shortage of basic agricultural products and a sharp rise in prices. And that's not all either. Everyone who can leave the country will start to leave. Already actively felled, okay, that's another one of those translation ones that probably just a bad translation for it's already started happening. The government understands this, which is why they introduced a bunch of measures today to keep IT people. Only the measures won't work. Therefore, it is likely that exit visas will soon be introduced for certain categories only or completely will close the country. Okay, so what he's saying is, is that they're going to do what they can to prevent a brain drain and so and keep the, you know, keep the IT people and people of certain uh, job descriptions. Um, but most likely, they're just going to close the country. Anyway, he goes on. The only plus from this story is that those who are nostalgic for the USSR will be able to feel all its delights in their own skin, and it will not be a relatively herbivorous USSR like Khrushchev, Brezhnev, Gorbachev, but a USSR headed by a crazy dictator. Anyway, I thought you'd find it interesting to kind of hear an account from a true insider. Um, you know, things are coming to a crashing halt inside the Russian economy, and it's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. Okay, that's it for that. Um, but real quick before I sign off, I had lunch with a buddy uh, the other day, and he collects Social Security. And you may or may not have heard, but for 2022, Social Security had the biggest COLA increase in years, meaning that our senior citizens got a nice, fat 5.9% raise. And of course, we've talked about this, the fact that the current CPI shows a year-over-year -year increase of 7.8%. Okay, so that at, at that rate, all things being equal, and the CPI being representative of your spending, which it isn't, but that's another story, all things being equal, the real spending power of your Social Security, even as it adjusts upwards with the COLA increases, the real spending power is decreasing by at least 2% a year. So if you start collecting Social Security at 65 and you live to be 90, 
Over the course of that 25 years, the purchasing power of your social security in real terms is going to go down over 50%. So I've harped on inflation enough, but I just want you to keep that in mind when you add social security into your retirement calculators and spreadsheets. Long story short, for most of us, we should just plan on social security being a nice supplement to our income, a supplement, a supplement that will continually shrink in value as we age. Potentially, as we need it more and more, it's going to be worth less and less. Okay, that's it for today. Pray for Ukraine and, you know, think about sending them some Bitcoin. Email me if you want a couple vetted wallet addresses. Um, and uh, either way, I'll catch you in a few days. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 